Kia ora and welcome to episode 97 of the Stag Roar. This episode I'm joined by Ant Needle. Um, as you'll hear in the podcast, I only just learned how to say that properly. <laughs> There's a sign R in there. Yeah, it's confusing. I always thought it was Nitrell, just in uh, full open disclosure. Um, Ant's a champ. He's just been to the States uh, following Bentamua from Big Game Hunting um, on an elk hunt in Nevada. Pretty good yarns there. Uh, we also talk about Ant's sort of time with the media and some social sport, things he's involved in that you can all catch up on his Instagram. Just add Needle, of course, just go to the show notes. We also talk about a few familiar names. Tony Dodds, who we had on way back when, and I must get him back on to talk about life after retirement and also what he's doing with his old man down there at Dodsy's Hunting. And, of course, Andre Alapati, who we had on a couple of episodes ago. So, yeah, this one's a cracker. It's a professional, no... uh, no stranger to to the mics and to the television, so yeah, he's got a, he's good on the mic and uh, spins a good yarn. Hope you enjoy this one. Love to hear your feedback. I'm sure Ant would too. Um, get in touch. Wicked. Apologies there. Um, throughout the podcast, you might hear my 19 month old daughter chirping in. Uh, she comes in to read me Brow Bear Barney and uh, also gets me to pat my deerskin rug that's on the floor here. So yeah, if you hear a little young child she says g'day um yeah that's what's up so um yeah let's get into this episode with ant needle awesome kia ora everybody we've got a man who has a curly last name N- Nitorel, or needle. not needle yeah, yeah it's austrian oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's austrian bloody bastard yeah stuck with that for the rest of my life yeah anthony so am i right you hail from christchurch is that right no, negative, actually. That's um, wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. Born and bred down in, um, actually, in South Africa. Moved over to uh, New Zealand. Live in Auckland. So uh, the, the Christchurch, where you want to see, I've done, done a bit of work down there. So that's, yeah, that's about it, really. Yeah, so selling your soul to those crusaders, hey? Right, the oath. Well, you gotta, you got to support, support the kids somehow. Uh, <laughs> pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, mate. So what did you do for, for the weekend just been? Was it an eventful one or are you still um, finding finding the moths in your wallet after a trip to the States? Uh, I'm still finding the moths in the wallet. Um, Ryan, as, as you might know, I, I've got an incredible uh, rubber arm. So I was actually going to put the feet up on the Friday, um, ended up going for a couple of pints at the local watering hole. Uh, and then um, some of my friends rocked up and had a spare ticket to uh, the Symphony Orchestra. So it was a bit of a gig um, and uh, went out there, really had a good time, you know, took a couple of glow sticks and um, raved till about 5 a.m. So, yeah, the carcass was in bad nick, especially coming after the the week back from the States trying to reset uh, the sleeping patterns. But, um, yeah, that's where I was, mate. And then, yeah, the rest of it was quite wholesome, actually. Um, just got... Uh, sent the Hunter's Journal, uh, all yes. three copies of that. So um, perched on the porcelain for about five hours and uh, looked at pictures. <laughs> so yeah. uh, no, they've done a great job. It's not, it's not one to really have in, in the bathroom, eh? You can end up, uh, someone might send out a search party for you. <laughs> Bloody hell, and that's what happened, um, especially in our flat. But nah, uh, they're doing a fantastic job and uh, great uh, on the irises uh, reading that um Reading their content, yeah, mate. So, Taranaki's just got up, by the way. Bye. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even wearing my stags jumper. I'm, I'm, I might have to change the name of the podcast now. It's, it's yeah, blasphemy. <laughs> <is blasphemy. laughs> yeah. Um, so, you were pretty much, you know, you're someone that gets around, you're like white on rice on most things, as, as you said, <laughs> you're down there with the Crusaders, but you're pretty much off the plane and onto the rock. And, um, they, yeah. If anyone wants the abbreviated version of, of your trip, they just go to the Rocks um, podcast, Rover or whatever the hell yeah. is going on. Um, Did you listen to it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I listened I listen to your part anyway. And um, <laughs> how, can you continue the joke on of two Kiwis, a, a Mormon and, and a medicinal <laughs> marijuana grower? What the hell is going um, on there? <laughs> yeah. So basically when... Uh, when we landed, oh, the guy that I went hunting with uh, on this trip to Idaho, Ben Tomato, you might know him, he does big game hunting, um, hell of a rooster, 
Uh, he's a he's a Kiwi relic, really. Um, all the way from Thai Happy, the guy's built like a sewing machine. Um, <laughs> and he moves like a sewing machine as well. But uh, anyways, long story short, he obviously, uh, he guides down south in New Zealand. And um, he met these two Yanks that came over. They went for a tar hunt uh, with him. So we sort of did uh, like a bulletin service. We went over there and they looked after us for the, the first, um, I think it was like four days uh, when we went over for our bull elk. Uh, one guy, um, I don't actually know if he was a Mormon. Uh, he came from a Christian family. I just exaggerated the yarn because I thought it was funny. Um, so I said he was a Mormon um, in Utah or around those areas. It's quite heavily dominated by Mormons. Uh, and then the other guy was a guide and um, he grew medicinal marijuana uh, and a uh, heck of a rooster. But um, he was probably ripping, you know, 10, 12 bongs uh, a day on the hunting trip. Um, and I didn't get it. I didn't get involved myself. Uh, but, uh, the, the, the men's uh, stamina, uh, was incredible. You know, he only had a couple of nut bars, but, um, he was, uh, he was full of, um, obviously, you know, the, the green nectar that he, uh, he grew himself, but, uh, yeah, bloody funny. So yeah, that was the beginning of the joke on the rock. Uh, obviously I was like, yeah, we're out bush with a Mormon, a guy from Thai happy and, uh, a man who grows his own medicinal marijuana, uh, illegally in one state, but sells illegally in another. And that's when Jay Reeve and Dunk sort of, you know, thought it was the beginning of the joke. And I was the brunt of the joke is I went there with uh, no sort of qualifications whatsoever, um, to go for a strong, the park, what it ended up for me. So yeah, bloody good fun, mate. Um, those rock boys are good, mate. So yeah, go have a listen on the rock podcast. I think it was the September the twenty third. I think the date was. Yeah, something um, like that. Easy and laugh. You, and you just showed off your your forearms there. I picked up the bow for the first time today. I think it's I think yeah. it's your your fault actually. Um, I've been you know following the campaigns, <laughs> the green trees. You know, oh, there's, there's there's a massive list of bow hunters out there on Instagram. And then sure enough, you you start up that I'm going to go to the, to the states and go hunt elk, and I'm going to do it with a bow and he featured on Wild Wild Meat Hunter NZ as well with, with George Walker and yeah. like, that bastard. What's, what's he up to with the bow? And, and I think it just started a niche that finally got scratched and smashed the shit out of my forearm this morning. How, how did that go? How did that learning I've, curve go? <laughs> yeah, I've, it's never happened to me. Um, not once. So um, I don't know what I'm doing right. It's it's. I think I guess I went to archery. I think it was archery. Advanced oh, archery. archery. Advanced Archery. They set me up. Um, uh, great team there, by the way. If you if you are getting started, and I bought an old bow. Uh, what was it called? A Matthews Halon Thirty Two. So um, quite a really good setup. It was a couple a couple of grand actually set up, but I never had the issues of the drawstring hitting me on the way through. I saw in your, your Instagram video last night, you had a bit of a dirty rash there. Um, something I wouldn't be boasting about, but um, yeah, a couple of my mates had a, had a, a fling on my bone that, that happened to them as well, but I never needed an arm guard. So I guess uh, it's just time with the crease horse. Yeah. <laughs> you learn, you learn what hurts and what doesn't, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been weird. It's been two and a half months since I, I said yes to the trip. Um, Ben just sort of dropped it in my lap, goes, would you be interested? And I spoke to a couple of cool cool customers that I mates with, and um, they said, yeah, it's once in a lifetime. Do it before you have kids or whatever. Go go out there and invest and do it. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a crack. Um, and I wouldn't say I haven't looked back, but I can see how you, you get the inspiration from social media, like your Adam Greentrees and your Remy Warrens and stuff. They, they paint a picture on how cool um, – hunting is but how bloody hard it is as well you know it's um it's a lot of time um a lot of time on hoof walking in um making mistakes um and i, I guess it's character building in the end and um i got a new found respect for for bow hunters because you normally when you're using a gun you can you can hit things from 500 meters away you know it's um and on this elk trip when we were there we could we would have shot every single ball we saw but um, it wouldn't have been the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been the same. And so you said you went with Big Ben, Big Game Hunting, oh. NZ, and, um, you know, 
you you started out with it with a trip with him with a person that made you look small, A, a B. Um, <laughs> how did your relationship with Ben sort of kick off, and, and was that the start of it, or was that you know something else yeah. that just as he'd come along? Well, yeah, a bit of a funny story. I only really started getting into hunting maybe six months before that, so it's been about six years now. Um, Tony Dodds, who used to be a New Zealand triathlete. Um, hell of a great rooster. I was down in Wanaka and he, he took me out for my first hunt. And I remember I was like, I always looked at it uh, in the stereotypical way. I was like, I thought this looked pretty cool and manly. And I didn't <laughs> want to be deceived as this um, sort of pretty boy from Auckland, which um, dressed like a metrosexual and uh, behaved <laughs> like a 12-year-old kid. So I was like, at that point in my, in my life, I was growing a bit, of a, a bit of a beard. So I thought it looked pretty cool and rugged. And I, Tony Dodds took me out for a hike and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I remember putting on these, um, I think it was his mum's hunting boots or hiking boots. <laughs> and, um, and it was February. And uh, we got, we got over, uh, we're up the back of, um, bloody hell, what's, what's her name? They, they, sort of, they sort of go either between um, Wanaka and Hawea or they go out the back mm. of the Mini Totos as well. They've got a block up here somewhere. There's some some famous lady. Um, oh, Shania Twain. Mark Twain. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, know. I, think, I, think, I think that that's what it was. I don't know if they stood together. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a rom-com story there. But anyway, what happened was we went off the back of his property. Um, I remember it was stinking on probably 30 degrees down south uh no breeze and uh we're hiking on hoof um we're down in the seventh gully and we come over this ridge looking for red stags and there's a, a chamois buck there and uh tony said to me mate like um i've never seen one of these really in the wild uh, i've never shot one um I, sh- I think you should probably shoot it and i was like oh buddy yeah. and this thing was sort of barking at us and um rucking its feet in, in the scree slope like it was going to charge us and anyway I dispatched it uh, with one shot, which was nice. It dropped, it dropped dead straight away and carried the chamois out. And I remember getting at like the end of like a nine-hour day and all my toenails had fallen off. <laughs> and um, I was in a lot of pain and I was like, wow, this is really tough. And I remember having that spate spear at the end of it and I was like, that's how you earn a bloody bear. And I, ever since then, I've been hooked. And um, I think... From that point on, I, I went and liked a few pages on Facebook and Big Game Hunting was the one that's stood out like dog's balls. And um, I was always fascinated. I was like, this guy's really cool. And he, he ran a competition um, to win a flying seeker hunted black basin down in Tilapore. Um, and for you and a mate, it gets filmed. I was like, thanks, mate. And entered in there. I think I only put my first name. And <laughs> at, at the end of the month, I my, my boss comes up to me and goes, hey, Ant, um, some guy, Ben, uh, he said, you've won a competition, and sure enough, it went from there. Um, I went down to Torpor, I took um, Anthony Boric, who I don't know if he was still playing for the... I don't know if he was still playing for the All Blacks at that stage, um, but um, he'd never been hunting as well, and we went for a second hunt, and that's how I met Ben. And um, one thing about Ben is, like, he's a bloody humble bloke, He's actually one of the neatest dudes I've ever learned, uh, I've ever met, and I've learned so much from him. So ever ever since then, I'll just invest in hunts. I'll fly down, go do a tar hunt, go do a, a red stag hunt, and it's, it got to the point like you know you're paying for his time and whatnot, but I was paying for education in the wild. You know that's the way I saw it. It was like me doing a, a university course because out there in the wild, it's it's tough work. You know, it's there's a lot of a lot of lessons and a lot of learnings, and I'm still learning. Like I learned a lot this elk trip with him um, we had a couple of barneys because we got separated um but hey that's just that's the that is, it's part of the relationship you know it's part of the journey and um yeah i consider him to be one of my good mates now and um hell of a bloke yeah so that's how it all started yeah and so when you say you got separated what did you just have any walkie talkies or? Uh, or nah, he, well, he, or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, he, he's got your classic, yeah, your, your Garmin set. Now, I don't even know what they are. I don't and know the technical terms. And reaches. Yeah. And um, uh, in the outback of Idaho as well, there's a lot of, uh, there was bears and whatnot. And so he had a Glock as well. We went through Glock training. But um, a couple of times, um, we we got separated looking for, he, he managed to put an arrow in a couple of, elk over there and um 
it's it's sort of like it's steep country, really steep country. But then there's a lot of pine forest and whatnot, and uh, big ridges and the sort of terrain and the curves of the landscape make it quite hard to see people sometimes. You know, you might be a, a couple of meters difference, but um, we got lost a couple of times for a couple of hours. Um, and um, oh yeah, I'll tell you later in the story what happens, but it's uh, definitely put a boot up my ass, you know, to take it a bit more seriously and um, not take it for granted that you're going to get back in one, in one piece. Yeah. No, I, I know that feeling. Um, I feel like you. Yeah, I sort of, you know, go with mates and learn learn a lot on the way, and, and don't don't have much success. But yeah, we're yeah. walking in up to Murray Creek once. We took the ridge line up to the the hut. Um, I think it's called Moonlight and Roses, and yeah, it was it was just the matter of being around um, a face and my mate going underneath me, and then we were just like. Like, where's everybody gone? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's safety as well, mate. Like, um, yeah, it's not nice seeing Ben and her with an angry face, but um, the only thing I can do, and, and I do well, is just be brutally honest. You know, I'm a pretty black and white person. So, and and guys, um, a bit like, a bit different to girls. But, you know, we sort of just take it on the chin and get on with it. You know, it's not like it's your whole grudges. Uh, especially when you're sleeping with the dude, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, some yeah, it's good times, mate. And you look back at that, and it's it's what you miss, you know. It's, yeah. You miss those moments. And so, how did how did the uh, MIA tent go over there? Did you need the fireplace, or was it was a bit too warm for that? Uh, we didn't. Well, when we first got there, um, I tell you what, I probably lost a couple of liters just in sweat, just. Um, Looking at the the ridge lines where we were, it's, it was hot, man. Idaho was thirty two degrees. Um, it was a desert, um, sort of like you picture New Zealand on its hottest day without a breeze. And um, the two Yanks, um, Zach and Brandon, um, they they came back. They'd really done a. I think they did like fourteen miles, which I, I think it equates to about eight k's in a day. And they're like, yeah, we've gone through like a couple of gallons of water each. Yeah, all the metrics are different there, so that's about three litres. And I was like, okay, this is going to be tough. You know, this is going to be a Daryl Tuffy. And um, sure enough, like the next couple of days after that was pretty – it wasn't too bad because um, you're walking up the valley floor, so it's, it's quite sheltered by the trees. Uh, and then you've also got a bit of a, a nice breeze coming into you. Um, so during the day, you could sort of escape it. But when you're climbing up high to altitude, that's when you're sort of right by the, you know, the sun's ring piece and it was burning you to a crisp. So, um, but it did change. The temperatures went from 32 degrees. And then one night, I remember there was a thunderstorm and uh, we're watching these um, sort of on the last light, these, these bulls bugling and uh, it started snowing a little bit. So... <laughs> We had uh, almost like all four seasons uh, in 12 days, which which was quite nice. It was very easy to to walk during the cold um, than it was in the night, uh, in, the, in the heat, in the middle of the heat. Yeah. And so what, what was the plan for hunting them? Sort of get up high and then chase, chase down on top of them um, into the wind? Or what, what, what was the vibe? So what happened, which obviously we had no clue, um, I always had confidence in Ben because he's probably got 20 years under his belt of experience of, he's done a little bit of bow hunting. Um, I know he's got that one video on YouTube where Aaron's a pig and it's got like 10 million views and he's got a stag and so he's done a little bit. Um, let's not forget that I've never shot anything in my life with a, with a, with a bow and arrow. So I was the one that's sort of on the back foot straight away and with the two Yanks there, there was a bit of an art of bugling. So a bit different to like roaring in a stag where you can probably use an old Pringles box and, you know, give it your best um, bravado through a can, you know. It wasn't too hard. Like the bugle, it's, it's quite a high-pitched kind of ghostly sound and then it finishes with a bit of a grunt, you know. And um, these dudes have got these sort of big bugle bloody pipes and they use a reed, like a cow reed yeah, yeah. in the mouth. And um, we struggled for like two weeks. We tried the, the read and we couldn't get the right frequency. And it's like you sort of put it in the top of your palate of your mouth and you sort of like, you, you say like the word like hiss and it makes this like quite a meow. Oh, I don't know how it goes, but it's very, 
it's different to like a cow call in New Zealand, uh, very high pitched sound. And these guys had it on the string. So very fortunate enough to have them there. And basically what happened like day one, you probably couldn't get it any better. Um, we had the perfect scenario. We walked up this, this gully. We started about five o'clock in the morning. Uh, this valley floor and about a K and you let a bugle out. It's still dark and you listen. It's just like this eerie sound. You can hear the wind. It's, it's a beautiful, it's every hunter would know, you know, that crisp, beautiful morning. There's nothing but nature and you're listening out for a sound and then you walk up and another 500 meters and you let out another bugle. And this was only the 3rd of September. So it was very early on in the rut. And, um, sure enough, we heard this, this faint bugle and we're like, Oh yeah, there's something up the top of the valley. And, um, we make our way up there, it gets closer and closer. And you sort of, we sort of got to like a head basin and, um, from that point on, the bugle was getting louder and louder. So what happened was, Ben and myself, um, the Yanks told us to split up. So we split up about maybe 50 metres apart. And uh, we got to points like in front of a tree. And you get your range, uh, range finder out. And you start ranging different channels that this um, bull might come down. So I'd range a log over there or like a, a nice little shrub over there. And you have 25 yards, 35 yards, 40 yards, 16 yards. And you sort of know these all in the back of your mind. Um, these sort of shooting lanes that this bull might come through. Anyway, I remember looking down and Ben was about 40 meters from me and I was sort of in a shooting lane. I was like, okay, I can't shoot maybe, you know, in this direction and cause he's down there. Um, and I was a bit higher up and sure enough, the guys that are bugling, they sit about 50 meters behind you. So these bulls um, are quite receptive to the bugle, obviously, it's getting angrier and angrier. He's protecting his cows. Um, and he'll walk exactly to the pinpoint of where that bugle's coming from, right to the, the, the meter of it. Um, it's quite amazing. And we're standing there, and the pine forest is, it's pretty open, so um, a, lot of dead, uh, a lot of dead stumps. And so you can hear this bull coming in. Sure enough, we get I get some eyes on some cows, and I was like, holy heck. The first thing I was thinking is like, at this stage, I, I had a bad dinner and I needed, I really needed a shit. Um, so, like, I, like, with the nerves, like, it wasn't good. I was like, okay, this is, I'm getting close to touching cloth here. This is not great. But um, the nerves were just, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. Um, I've, yeah, it's, I think it's something to do with bow hunting and how big these beasts So Anyway, you hear all these breaking of twigs and this big bull six by six uh, that's what they say over there um comes steaming through the the shrub and i'm like oh my gosh this thing is huge and it's built like a horse um sort of looks like a rodeo bull you know in terms of girth and strength and stuff but then the antlers thing on these things are just huge with the massive throwback and um i remember we could come in through and it was coming straight between me and ben and um with all Ben's hunting knowledge, you thought he would have let out a little meow, you know, meow, and to get it to stop, but he didn't. He has a shot at 40 meters, 40 yards, and it goes underneath it. He just misses it. And um, this thing doesn't get spooked at all. Um, it's not like, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think an arrow spooks it as such, but it's sort of just walked up towards me and it stood in front of me at 12 yards. So I'm thinking like, we're two, two hours, an hour and a half into this hunt, and it's just standing there staring at me. And it can't really see me. I've got a branch that's sort of uh, not obstructing my shooting lane, but it's, it's sort of coming out, going over its shoulder. But it's, it looks like a barn door's right in front of me. But I'm like, holy heck. I was like, I want to I'm gonna punish this thing right now. <laughs> and um, I stand there. It felt, it felt about like five minutes. It's just staring at me. So I'm not moving. I've got my... Uh, release aid uh, in the in you know in the D loop. I'm ready to draw back when it turns its head, but I need to drop down to one knee to get a clear shooting lane. And um, I've been shooting quite a few arrows, and I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm like, this thing is dead. And um, sure enough, it lets out a big bugle. I just remember seeing the steam coming out its nose, and like it turns its head. And I drop down on one knee, but I draw the bow sideways, so like not back, not back. Um, like straight and, and this, like parallel lines that you probably should be doing it. Uh, I draw it out sideways to try 
almost like get my head under like this shrub so I can see it. And um, mate, when I'm halfway through the drawback, the arrow falls out the knock, like hits the side, arrow falls out. And then I go back and I dry fire under the pressure. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. And so it doesn't do anything. It just stands there. I put the arrow back in. I was like, oh, I don't even know if my bow's broken from the dry fire. What's going on? And then it sort of walks back and I'm, I'm drawn back. And I could have had a shot about 40 yards. But, like, I was just thinking to myself, I'm here with two Americans. If I wound it um, and it's not a proper shot, I, I feel like I could get in a lot of trouble. I've just met these dudes, you know. So, yeah. I pull out and um, we didn't spook it at all. It just sort of trotted away. And then we sat down and we laughed. And I remember looking at Ben and I go, mate, like me and you have just both had a shot on the first morning. Those two yanks are laughing their heads off. They're like, mate, <laughs> we've been hunting out for 10 years and that's probably the best morning we've ever had. Um, to the start and I was like, and I just remember looking at Ben and going, man, we're going to have to work hard now, bro. And um, yeah, in a weird way, it's like, I was sort of glad i didn't get it, you know, or he didn't get it because it was like two and a half months. You've just taken it up. If we got a first morning, the whole hunt would have been completely different. We would have filled our tags, both of us, I reckon, in two days, you know, because your confidence is high. Sure enough, mate, it was um, probably the hardest thing I've ever done after that. We were uh, easily 30 Ks on foot every single day, you know, walking up to altitudes of 1,200 feet, which is higher than Mount Cook. Um the air is pretty thin up there, so you know, you know, someone like Ben, who's who's fit as a fiddle, he was struggling. I was struggling. Like, um, it was tough, man. And the thing, the thing over there is like the terrains are so beautiful. Like you, you're there, you you come across a black bear. We came across a black bear one day. It was thirty yards in front of us, and those even those yanks said like they're like you can take that. You know, like your elk. Elk tag um, swaps out for a black bear as well if you wanted, and we're like, we're thinking about it. You know, like, <laughs> we're like, will we even get another opportunity to bull elk? But mate, it's it's different. It's it was un- incredible. That whole first morning sort of set the set the, the standard of what we expected, and it only got harder from there. You know, so yeah. Unfortunately, I think you've um, had a had a first head, and you might be addicted. I'd say based on that story. <laughs> oh, mate! Like the thing is, like. A long story short, I never fulfilled my tag. So um, you always look back and I've got it like sitting next to my bed. I've got it framed because I'll probably go and um, I want to go do it next year, you know? Yeah. Um, and I will till I go get it. I don't think, I think it's all about, it's all about execution. Um, I, I, and you watch, I was saying to those Yanks and they sort of laughed at it. Like you look at guys like Cam Haynes and stuff who, who we think is like an absolute jockey to, you know, bow hunting. He makes it look cool and stuff. And he runs 40 miles a day and he does, you know, shoots a hundred arrows a morning. Like, but he's actually got a bang on. Like you do all that work. You might be walking 30 Ks for that one opportunity. And if you can't execute it, um, then you've just stuffed up the whole hunt. So, um, you know, like there was days where I remember, I think it was probably, this is when me and Ben were by ourselves. Um, we walked and we, we, we spotted a massive bull, man. And you might've seen it on, on his, um, on his Instagram and stuff. It's the one that we want to go back for next year or he wants to, you know, it had like 30, 33 cows with it. Um, which is always hard because there's so many prying eyes, you know, but he also had two satellite bulls with him. One was a five by six, maybe like, yeah, uneven five by six. And the, the one morning this um, five by six was feeding um, down the valley and um, the bigger bull was up the valley in this head basin with its 30 cows. And I snuck in from 800 meters down to 30 yards. I was behind a tree, drawn back, waiting for this thing just to step out a couple of meters. Like, and it was another sitting duck uh, in the wind change. And um, just like that, <laughs> the wind, mate, once that goes up your ass, you, you're stuffed again. And like, it just, like, it's painstakingly hard because you're sneaking in there, like, you're fingering out, should I take my shoes off? Because you don't want to, you know, step on the leaf and, you know, and set it off. Um, but that was the beauty of the bow hunt. Like, it just teaches you patience. It teaches you stealth. And um, it obviously came down like the first morning. It was all about execution, and, and I couldn't do it. So it just shows how much of a novice I am and, you know, and 
how hard it is actually to fulfill that tag because I think was it in the area we're hunting um, I think only 10% so 10% only fulfill their tag every year so it's 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 hard it's hard and like apparently the youngs don't like to, to walk far yeah. so if you here when you've got a bit of ticker um, you you you're in good stead straight away you know you're you step ahead of everybody else so I think a lot of Kiwis got would go right over there um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. It's a lot of a lot of lessons, like a lot of lessons, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, what did the Yanks think of the uh, stubbies, mate? Did, did they think you're a bit? No, uh, oh, yeah, they, they had a, they had a good laugh. Eh? Before um, every single time we go, I've been hunting with Ben, and we haven't been successful. I always go. Um, oh, we always hunt in stubbies anyway, but we always put a bear in our pack as spates, you know. And we're like, oh, it's a lucky bear. So when we got there, I always said to him, I was like, we've both got a set of um, Maori AB shorts that we've been gifted from numerous players. And um, we wore those, and those gangs were just like, geez, what the blue blazers are you boys up to? Um, <laughs> but in the end, obviously, when they got, the boys got the job done, like they were like, hey, like they might start hunting in, it in shorts. And they actually did. Last couple of days, they started wearing shorts. So... Um, <laughs> And I'm going to send a pair over to the lads who who do guiding and stuff because it's all it's all myths, man. I honestly think that um, it's not what you look like, you know, in the camo and stuff. It's it's about how you get to the animal um, without being detected, I guess. Um, but I reckon the wind's probably the, the biggest thing, eh? Yeah. So uh, we proved that that theory wrong for them. <laughs> yeah, someone who just uh, got got myself a pair of first light pants and then came down there and was like well what colour do you want and I said well I'll pretend to know what I'm looking like and I, and I got the camo but <laughs> and yeah. I, first day wearing them I managed to pull it off but I'm, I'm going to be honest that was that was a back paddock um, yeah no, no good though. Like, <laughs> I, I think I've got, I, I think I went for the stony the stony creek setup. Um and oh it looks cool you know and, uh, and uh, to be honest it's nice and breathable and stuff and it's good for the long grass and keeping away the flies and stuff but you know if you want a bit of a uh, bit of color in the in the pins hey go for the stubbies it's all good stuff <laughs> absolutely man and mate um something i wanted to say say to you you know podcast it sort of seems a bit like um like life coaching, you know, it just seems that yeah. we all just sort of go on each other's podcasts, and I don't know if anybody's actually actually listening to us. But um, <laughs> you start somewhere, mate. It's all yeah, good. that's right. Um, it, it, it heard it when you're on on Jim Cawthorn's, you know, fuck up files that that you yeah. you all the balls and and, and heart, heart balls and head whatever. Yeah, head out and balls. Head out and yeah. Balls. Well, I don't have any head. His stepping the head. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. The head would be gluttonous, but because he's just the brain's trust, and um, Steffi is her heart because he's uh, he's a man or two. Um, he's a man or two stalwart. He loves his place, and hey, how are you? <laughs> say, say good day. <laughs> good day. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Steffi. He's a man or two boy, so he's he's quite loyal and uh, passionate about that. So, yeah. No, the podcast thing is good, man. You know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of stuff. Uh, Jim Cawthorn's one, a hey, hell of a series, if you want to laugh, a crude yeah. laugh. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know if you've yeah, listened into that finale with Die Inwood, but it, uh, nah. oh, he was talking about the gathering in Nelson, and it was just, yeah. you know, it's one of those ones that, and you, you being a sort of a, Ambassador and on on stage man for rhythm and vines, you'd probably relate really well to some of the absolute scenes that you see at some of these festivals. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, these guys have seen some some good stuff in their times uh, and its time, and um, yeah, rhythm and vines, mate, geez, hell of a hell of an experience. Um, it's sort of it got the better of me. I did what five years there hosting there. Um, I'm sort of glad that I've nipped that in the bud, though, because there's a stage in, the, in your life where you want to grow up, you know, and mature, and <laughs> knocking on nearly on 31, you sort of, um, uh, and I'm not married, and I don't have a kid. <laughs> I like yourself. So you sort of, you sort of um, putting all your, your cards in front of you, you're like, okay, well, let, let, let's, um, let's, change, let's change this course a little bit, you know? So yeah. good character it's, building in a couple of years. Yeah, it's all on that. How, how did the sort of short and wise thing come about? How did you get all guys come together? By the way, Taranaki's just scored. Um, oh, dear. 
<laughs> the hell of a game though. Forty-six minutes, Taranaki five, Southland zero. So Southland have done well. Um, Two ringing Walden. Uh, anyway, it's short and wide. So short and wide uh, for the people that are listening was it was a one and done TV show um, that was on TVNZ Duke with two punters that I actually met on the piss uh, separately. Um, <laughs> I remember I met. Um, I was at a flat party, probably. Geez, I don't know when it was, and I met George Harper. He's a good-looking bloke. Uh, he's got some yap. He, the guy can talk. Uh, and we just got started yarning, and he wanted to be in media. I think he did like a radio uh, degree or something like that. And I did communications, and I always wanted to write a TV show. And uh, we came up with this concept of um, writing. You know, the whole thing was actually a gag. Uh, we used to go out and tell girls in town that uh, we're TV presenters and we went there next weekend and we printed business cards and uh, business was called short and wide. So the whole thing was smoke and mirrors. Uh, <laughs> and we'd go, we'd approach people like New Zealand Cricket and the All Blacks and we were like, you guys need our content and stuff. They're like, what are you doing? We're like, we had nothing to show them. So Lee Hart, who's that guy, um, this Fuja and whatnot. Um, I'd been working for him for about eight years and um, he gave us all his camera stuff and we started filming stuff from our flat garage, the sports interviews from people that we knew. Uh, and then um, I pitched it to another guy I knew who, when I was dating a girl and he was dating her mate and uh, he owned Real Factory. So they own all the slow-mo cameras for Sky TV. Oh, and... Um, he and they invested in it. They they put some money into it. They shot a pilot for us, so we got all our friends over to this um, this sort of bar at, in this shed where they've got the HQ, and um, we just got pissed. Where Jimmy Nation, Art Green was the bachelor at the time, and uh, Anthony Boric, and we filmed the pilot, and then they got picked up on TV, and um, yeah, it was good. I met Jay, um, AJ as well, who was. He was the mascot for the Highlanders, I think, the rooster at that stage, and uh, he's a very funny guy, take very a, clever. Take a bit streaker with absolutely yeah, take, take, yeah, and um, both just great roosters, and eventually got short and wide, which was sort of very, very, very um, similar to Sports Cafe. I'm not going to lie, we stole probably that whole idea, um, and yeah, we did a show, and it was fun while it lasted. We just didn't get funding for it again, so. All the lads have sort of gone their separate ways now. Um, and it's all good stuff, though. No? Yeah, no, your, your producer, Tamega's got, got me um, in serious trouble. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, sheep. Yeah, so, yeah, sheep, sheep. So, <laughs> um, uh, in my final year of uni, I needed a little bit of extra cash. It's not cheap living in Auckland. And so oh, I yeah. decided that I'd, having worked at the Cook in Dunedin, and thought I'd sign up to old um, Freeman and Gray and... and Bonds me there and oh thanks yeah yeah I thought I was, thought I was doing all right it was good 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 time serving drinks um, yeah and uh, <laughs> then I sort of found out that my um, sixteen year old ex girlfriend and being a sixteen year old male full of far too much testosterone I had done the, <laughs> done the dirty on her in terms of you know texting other people and yeah. uh, and for a fifteen year old girl I guess it's something that you might hang on to but yeah Tim Tim was friends with such ex and. He was up there one night and he said, Ryan, Ryan, mate, oh, if, I, if I pay for two rums, can you can I give me three? And yeah. I sort of said, no, no, no. And then he eventually peer pressured me into it. And so I split the split the two over three. And then, of course, she went yeah. downstairs, told her, her partner, and I was, I was out the door. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Is she still single? Or? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She was dating the, the, the um, one of the Cook brothers at the time, so I don't know. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Don't know where that is these days. She'll be so many cash now. The Cookathon, mate, that's um, it's, it's a great place. I remember going down there um, uh, for a Rio week and I cooked my ass, really. I went down as a Power Ranger. My, my mates shaved my head. I was doing these things called, um, oh, no, I actually can't probably talk about it on here. But um, I shaved my head and um, went as a Power Ranger. One of the great days down at Dunn is if you ever go down there. I don't know if they still do it. The cook's not there anymore, is it? Well, I hear it's back in business, but yeah, no, I was lucky enough to work security at the at the final cookathon. But I tell you what, working security for the cook is a pretty easy job. Basically, standing around inside and you know get numbers, 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dance to the music and pick up, pick up, yeah, the, the, the odd empty bottle of beer and, and give it back to the bar staff. It, it was, Bloody uh, it was not hard. I could take no. that. <laughs> That's where I started my hunting career, but it wasn't, uh, yeah, I was, never, I was looking for my bush pig, <laughs> all this stuff. So where'd you, where'd you do the commu- communications that you had to do the commute down to such events? Just, no, it's just, I did it up in Auckland. I stayed up there. I was, um, I was playing cricket in Auckland. So for a while, um, sort of, account, I played for counties and then I was involved in the ND setup. So I never really branched out from, from Auckland. If I, if I went to a Tiger University, I would have derailed my, my cricket career even more. <laughs> uh, probably would have been a good thing in hindsight because it was a waste of time. Um, I ended up bowling triple bounces um, and never got it back. So that's why I went to university to get a degree. Um, it's uh, it's always good watching all the dudes who I, I played with, uh, i.e. your Kane Williamson's who used to captain me for five years, um, just creaming it. You know, you see all these Baltys, Corey Anderson's. Um, it was a hell of a crew. Um, and, yeah, I'm just living in this slipstream now, mate. So it's all good stuff. <laughs> Oh, you're uh, Twilight Cricket, you know, you, you get out there and, and smash a few people around. <laughs> yeah, well, I try to, I, I, don't, I, I normally abuse them a lot more than anything else. Like, um, yeah, we've got the Suns. We're called the Suns Cricket. Well, it used to be called the Suns of Pitches. Uh, we're playing the last man stands, but the Suns, uh, we've actually got our AGM meeting coming up in a couple of weeks where it's just a big layer up and we select who's going to be our chair head of social, head of logistics, head of catering. Um, at every two, every Wednesday night, because we play in the top league, uh, we get together. It's actually one of the greatest teams I've ever been part of. Um, we get together, we have beers, we have a couple of singers with a bit of ring on the banger, uh, and we just uh, try to clear the hip and uh, clear, the, you know, try to hit a boundary uh, every ball. And, um, geez, it's fun. A social sport, if you can get into it, you get into a good team environment with your mates, uh, you're living. Yeah, man. And, and uh, that is there now a UK branch of Suns? Like, you know, plenty of those guys are of that age that they're on the OE yeah. doing the two I years. Think they're doing that. They've got the Winnie Greens, I think it is. No, forget the Winnie Blues. They're called the Winnie Greens. And I actually think they might have won the comp in the first year. I don't know. They've got some serious bowlers you're thinking about all the guys that play prem cricket and they go over there the lawyers their bankers they you know they're doing quite well and then that's where they let the steam out and they're just very talented players they probably could have played for their problems back here you know so um no it's great stuff mate really really good stuff yeah, and, and then you know, like you said, the social social aspect that that ties in with this, the varsity squids. You can't you can't talk to that needle without talking about the varsity squids. You, you're a bit uh, large <laughs> for that team. You're a bit large for that team. Well, I, I look at Sam Hall, and I wonder how the hell that guy gets under eighty five, but it happens. <laughs> that guy is Sam Hall is one of the most gifted sports players I've ever in any format. He is unreal. Um, Incredible rugby player, probably the best Suns player, to, uh, Squids player to ever come through those ranks, actually. <laughs> um, nah, but yeah, I'm a bit too heavy. I was actually, before my hunting trip, I was weighing, um, I reached triple digits. Eh? I was 100 kilos, my first time in my life. Um, that's probably because of the excess boozing I've been doing um, on Thursday or Sunday. Um, but nothing I'm not proud of, but um, I dropped eight kilos. Eh? So I'm down to 91 and a half now after that hunt. So it just shows how much you actually exert. Um, yeah, I think I like to thank my sponsors, the Fat Burner Tablet Company that I've, I've been in. <laughs> nah, but yeah, no, nah, I lost. I'm, so I'm trying to keep that off. I actually just made myself a little bit of tuna poke bowl tonight, so it's something a bit healthier. Um, you don't want to be fat, mate. And uh, a dream of mine is always to um, is to play under 85s, but I've got another six kegs and probably have to go live in a sauna for about two weeks. So it's uh, it's all good stuff. <laughs> no, mate, I, I think. Um yeah, sauna, sauna might be the right thing. And I, I reckon some of those guys use the Friday night booze up as a tool to, to dehydrate and, and... 100%. And maybe have a couple um, of yaks as well, which would be right. <laughs> 100%. Well, that's that's when I come into the, the squid setup there. I'm actually the booze coach. Um, <laughs> so I'm the one that's supplying the alcohol. We've got a couple of miners in there, so I'm the one that's supplying this to the underages and um, I'm forcing them. They're on the bottle um, uh, the night before. They don't get any much sleep. And um, there was actually a scientific study that came out that you can you should be able to play 
um, off 11 beers, it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't affect the way that you play off 11 beers. So um, we put that to the test and I can confirm it's, it's, actually, it's actually a myth. Um, there's a lot of guys that are bent double and bent double. They leave everything out uh, on the paddock, uh, including what they ate before, the night before. So, um, yeah, squids, hell of a team. They went undefeated in a couple of years. Uh, we lost in the final this year. Um, but, Ryan, it comes down to culture. And um, yeah. those boys there, we, they breed a really good culture, um, play hard, play harder off the pitch. Um, and it is funny. It's really funny, mate. Like I said, social sport, get up, you know? Yeah, no, they, they, like you said, culture, that they're not just within themselves. They bring an awesome culture to that varsity rugby club. And you can't, you can't teach culture, mate. You honestly <laughs> can't teach it. Like, you got, it's got to be instilled for the, from the people that have, who are there and they want to be part of like the team. I, I look at culture at work sometimes, and you can't just go there and try do a social event to get people involved. Like people want it. You know, you have to have the same like-minded people that want to get involved and get their hands dirty. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing the squids culture and the suns and, and who it attracts, you know, because everybody's having fun. So people want to have fun. People want to be accepted. People want to be part of a team where there's winning. Winning's always everything, you know. Um, everybody talks about the winners in life. No one really talks about the losers, you know. So um, that's why no one really wanted to. I'm surprised you're talking to me about my hunting trip to the States. I'm, like, I'm a loser. <laughs> I really am. No, mate. No, it's, um, like I said, it's, it's all about uh, hearing the story and, and, and the effort and what you learned there. Because as a beginner myself, I, I need to pick up on these little mistakes because I make plenty of them get lost, get, yeah, pick, pick wrong spurs, pick, pick, um, Actually, look down at my GPS and see that I've been walking around in circles. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, everybody's learning. And, like, it's it's not meant to be easy. Like, if you knew it overnight, um, you know, that's the thing. Like, when I was with Ben, like, what the Yanks were telling us was, you know, was completely different to how we wanted to hunt. And I remember one night we were with them and we we're just like no nah, we want to spot and stalk and we'd already been doing big days and i remember sitting on this ridge and we're like oh there's the ball and they're like i knew one guy didn't want to he didn't want to get up and walk so we had to walk like another two gullies like we we're probably at an hour and a half of light and we're like no nah, we're going i mean being like looked at we're like no nah, we're going for it man like and he's like nah and we're like nah let's put on your pack we're going for it we went to scale bloody two valleys and get up there we got there within 45 minutes and we'll guess but we had the opportunity, you know, this thing was 50 yards from us and it got spooked. So we started doing things differently and like we're like spot and stalk like that. I remember me and Ben were by ourselves and I was like, let's just split up so we're not throwing our scent everywhere. But I was like, you go for it. I'll bugle from a distance just to keep that attention on it. And um, Ben got in this one, this went to the bush one morning and shot this absolute monster and um, I came down and we had this plan to meet him down in, in the valley. And he's like, mate, yeah, shot him. And he's got no emotion, but he's like, yeah, put it in his neck. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we, we got to, he goes, there's heaps of blood. And I was like, oh, man, okay. So it's a good shot. And then we, we left it about an hour and a half. And, um, we followed this thing for about a K and a half blood trail. Like there was so much blood. There was a couple of big spots where it was just like bubbly blood. And we're like, yeah, it's gone into the lungs. We're like, this is great. And it looked, it literally looked like someone had got a paintbrush, like a, a painter and just painted a line through the grass. We're like, this thing is dead. Surely it's dead, but it went for a K and a half. Then we went to its last place and we could see where it bedded and there's pools of blood there. And then all of a sudden the blood all dried up and we couldn't find it. So we left it for the night. The next day we gridge searched a whole basin, like the whole day, like up at Sparrow's Fart, gridge searching. We're probably about 10 meters apart, just searching for this thing, couldn't find it. Did it the next morning after that, couldn't find it, so we just left it. And unfortunately we never found that one. And we, we hope that it's still alive, you know. But just that little plan of, you know, Ben's hunting experience, which completely sort of went... Di completely different to the Yanks 
it just shows like different people's hunting experience and even putting in different situations and just adapting to it. We, we couldn't really bugle, couldn't cow call. So we're like, we have to stalk and get into it. So it was quite cool. Eh? Um, and then you had another plan on the last day when we eventually got it is every single night and day, you could see where these, um, these bulls and these cows were feeding to. So they would always go over the lowest point, which is the saddle. They'll feed in and bed into the night um, into this into the pine, or we could see where they're coming out in the mornings, and and so we sort we sort of knew where they're they're tracking for the night. And the the night before was perfect. We split up, and he was going to come behind this bull. I was going to walk over a saddle, and I was going to be waiting in the saddle. And sure enough, that's what happened. The wind was perfect. All these cows came first. I was behind a sage bush, but I was eighty yards out. I'd missed it completely. Like I was, I should have been forty yards in closer on the lowest part of the saddle and he would have been you know another sitting duck and i stuffed that up so you're always learning but that game plan was perfect and then the next morning we went to the exact same basin where those three were and i stayed lower and he went higher to sort of see where they'll be flushed out and um ben may managed to put one straight behind his shoulder so it was perfect like couldn't get better but this is where it actually got quite funny because we went to go look for it there was no blood trail at all, nothing. Um, and um, this is when we got split up. I ended up chasing another bull with some cows. So I was like, oh, he, he saw the arrow come out and was hanging out the, the back because he was shooting quite high. Yeah. And um, he, he's like, man, I might have got it a bit too high. Anyway, he went one way and I was like, I'll go look this way to see. I followed some tracks and I saw a bull in the distance. And I was like, oh, maybe that's it. And this is when we got split up. I didn't see him for the next three hours. Um, I came back to look for him. I was like letting out cow calls. I was trying to let out bugles to like sort of hear him out. I was search. I went onto a ridge line. I was looking through the pine, couldn't find him. So I went back to camp, put all my stuff outside the tent, and I was like, if he gets onto a ridge line, he'll see that I'm back at camp. Because um, you could sort of it was about two k's away. You could sort of see it with the binos. And um, sure enough, I sit there, start making some two minute noodles, and Ben comes over the hill about three hours later. And he's covered in blood. He's got a, a hoof, like a big leg hanging out the back of his pack. And he's like, where the hell were you? And we sort of have a, not a bit of an argument, but a, a bit of constructive feedback for each other. Um, and I was, I was mainly in the wrong, but we should have, you know, kept the finger on the pulse with each other. And he's just like, mate, what if you broke a leg and I don't know where you are? And, um, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, he's right. You know, it's pretty bad. Um, you know, and those those bull and cow that I actually chased up, I got into thirty yards, and I could have shot three of them. I had it drawn back. I could have taken a cow, but the thing is, another safety thing, or didn't have a knife on me, so didn't have a knife. Didn't know where Ben was, and it's like, how was I going to gut it up? And so I never pulled. So I could have taken out a cow very easily, um, but I decided not to because I was like, what if Ben's got his, and I should be helping him pack him out. So sure enough, I had to go back with him. And um, he'd done the whole butchering by himself on this massive beast with this um, one of these eagle knives. So it's just like one of those blades you put in. It's like a yeah. scalpel, yeah. and um, which would have been a hell of a hard job. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, all this man was like laid out, and we we packed our packs and walked out. And we sort of had a beer at the end. And while he drank his beer, that was in his pack the whole trip by himself, which I was really gutted about. And um, we got it done, but you sort of have a debrief, and that's not how you. It's not how you wanted the hunt to end, but it was a great feeling, you know, seeing that we'd found it. Especially after we'd searched for the other one for like a day and a half. But yeah, a lot of a lot of lessons, mate. And um, geez, I've I've come back to New Zealand. I've reflected a lot of it on it, and um, it's like, how can I be a better person? You know, if I want to go out in the wild and stuff, and it, it, hunting's a great thing. It teaches you resilience. It teaches you patience. Um, it teaches you to be prepared. Like, you know, every single night, night before you go to bed, it doesn't matter how many caves you've done on foot, make sure that you pack your bag properly and you've got your water, you know, your water's full, that you've got a knife, that you've got your, your in-reach, you know, like stuff I didn't have, like real vital stuff. Um, and that's a game changer. So I've come back to New Zealand and, I've ordered an in-reach now and I've gone and bought a knife, like real simple stuff. Now I can go, if I, if I got lost, it'll be a different story. We wouldn't be having the same argument, you know, every single time. So 
listen for all, you know, just be prepared because especially when you're in another country and uh, you're in terrain that's pretty unforgiving, mate. You, you, you slip and you fall and you stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, hell of a trip. Recommend it to anyone. Um, bit expensive going over first up, you know, like buying the bow and the flight's about five grand. And then the America's expensive. You've got to buy food for 12 days in the bush. You've got to put them in, you know, buy bugle, bugle stuff, bear spray if you're feeling insecure, which we did. So um, there's a lot of – it comes a bit of a price, but to see those bulls bugling in front of you from 12 yards um, – for any hunter that's got the bug, uh, has experienced the roar and wants to be in front of an animal that's almost twice the size of it, um, it's an experience I, I've never experienced in my life, I guess. I, I guess you, you've seen your kids get born, which will be pretty up there, I guess. But um, it'll send any grown man just shaking, eh? So just keep it out of mind. I'm, exact, I'm starting exactly the same place where you are with the bow. Um, but the beauty about it is how good people are on social media. Like I shot Remy Warren a message while we were on the piss and Bozeman on the last night and he was responding. He was talking to us. He's over here in March and uh, we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll come in like catch up with you. And he, he was up, he was all for it. And Dre from the Hunters Club, he is, he's been outstanding. That dude, like never met the bloke in my life. You know, I've done some stuff for David Shaw before, uh, but Dre is so receptive. Like, um, in terms of answering questions and, you know, like all those guys, everybody seems to get around each other, especially in the hunting world in New Zealand. Unless you've got a big ego, which is there's no place for it in New Zealand. So um, it's so easy just to reach out and go, hey, I want to come out for a hunt with you and stuff. It's perfect environment in New Zealand. And I think there's a, a good base of hunters that are, you know, willing to, to get their hands dirty, go for a hike and just share some good yarn. So it's great stuff, you know. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm pretty keen now to get Dre back on the show now I've picked up the bow. Not only is he going to give us some fitness pointers, so you'll have to listen out for that one, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to um, pick his brain a bit more. And like you said, you know, the community, you know, I've, I've put up that, those images of me practicing for the first time this morning and straight away, I've, even people I didn't tag in the video, have, you know, flicked me a pointer or two yeah. and you know, it's just like, oh, this is, this is shit on. <laughs> Man, everybody's just... Um Social media is a real powerful tool, eh? Yeah. Um, for promotion and emotion, I guess, if you're <laughs> busy <for> now, so. <laughs> um, But it's, um, it's pretty cool, like, especially in my line of work as well, mate. Like, the, the, the amount of people that are receptive just to get on radio shows and stuff these days, and I just flicked them a message, like, it's incredible, you know? So, um, yeah, just stick at it, especially if you're down south. Oh, Hawke's Bay. Hawke's Bay's got real good hunting down there, isn't it? Yeah, mate. So um, I was talking to somebody today about the Kaimais. I went in there probably 10 times or so, and I yeah. spooked one deer. I was, I was of the belief, like most people are, that there's no deer up there, but no, there are. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I been, been, went into the Kawikas twice and bumped three, and then here, yeah, like last Saturday, we're not, we're, I was on the edge of the Kawikas, and holy shit, they were, they were everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what you want, mate. I, I guess, like... <laughs> With any hunter, like some of them don't give away their spots, and um, if you know if you can get onto private land, that's a, it's a bonus. But like, if you're not out there doing it and trying it, and a lot a lot with these yanks, like I was pretty impressed. They got this this app over there called um, Onyx or yeah. Onyx. Yeah, I know the one. No, incredible! Like it was uh, it was amazing. Someone should be putting that into New Zealand with all the tracks and four wheel drives and all the access tracks is really incredible. Um, but the amount of research they put into it into the place is um, is awesome, eh? So it just shows that it's not just about dumping yourself. Sometimes it is just going for a walk, but they, they, they do a lot of research. And awesome. Got another visitor. <laughs> That's all right. How many ankle biters have you got? Just one. Hey, hey how's one. it going? What's this sweet girl? She wants me to read brown, brown bear Barney. She wants to read it to you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> she probably teach me a few a few things about reading. I can't even read, mate. So. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is probably uh, going back going back to that story about losing the job at uh, at Freeman and Gray. That's probably she's probably going to be my payback for that sort of uh, 16, 15 year old. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. They all make mistakes. Eh? I've lost a few jobs in my time. It's character <laughs> building. You just never do it again. No, no, no. So what, what, um, what's in store for, for you, mate? Um, as you said, no more rhythm, rhythm and violence. <laughs> um, geez, I was... Then I've sort of yeah, I sort of knocked the M scene on for on the head for a bit. Like I just wanted to have a break so I could go hunting and fishing the weekends because it's taking up all my time. Um, but no, I'm currently just doing um, I'm currently doing this this show with Great Nisbet and stuff. The radio show doing a bit of stuff at POB and Trackside and um, exploring other opportunities at Sky at the moment. So um, some stuff in the pipeline. Hopefully, doing some presenting stuff, maybe cricket, um, some new shows there. So, yeah, that's in the near future. Awesome, that's mate. The, that's the goal. Yeah. And uh, where, where do people find the show and find you on social? And, you know, is there going oh, to be the film of, of Ben and Ants at America? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. We actually started, we actually did film quite a bit. And then um, I've got some stuff on my GoPro. I haven't even looked at it. Um, but after about day two, you sort of put the cameras away and you're just like, I just want to concentrate and get this done, you know? Because you're sort of in scenarios where you're, you're roaring a ball, ball, ball. And I remember the second night we spooked a ball, should have had it, it was coming through the bush again. And um, the guy that I was with, he's going to step up, he goes, take four more steps forward to get another shooting lane. And as soon as I stepped down, I didn't have my. I was looking down because I was so nervous to make sure that my release aid was in my, um, my D hoop. And um, I wasn't looking up where the sounds were, and I spooked it. It was just standing right there, and I was so gutted. It was uh, another monster, and like that's another thing. Like, be prepared and make sure that you're, you know, aware of your surroundings. Make sure you're looking up from where the sound is, not looking down the ground. And I stepped down too far. But anyway, um, after that, I was like, flag that. I'm not going to film anymore because I was getting out of my phone and I was like filming the. And bugling and stuff and I was only like 40 yards away and I was like this is stupid right <laughs> just concentrate on getting it done so we put the phone away and I guess like big days you're getting a bit despondent and stuff and sometimes you're laughing and so we didn't actually film I don't think in the end um, but yeah hopefully it'll comes out but like yeah Ben, ben, ben Tomato big game hunting on Instagram he's got the most um, I'm sort of picking and choosing of what I share on mine because um it's yeah, I try to put all my work stuff on there so and people don't want to be seeing me cutting up deer all the time and even though I'm very passionate about it, you know. Um, yeah, you gotta be gotta be careful of that sort of stuff in the current. Oh, just a not no, just a nice <laughs> yeah, just a nice balance, you know. Like um, people don't take me too seriously at, at the prison, but then when I'm in hunting mode, I'm actually quite a serious bloke. So it's like <laughs> it's like has this guy got bipolar or something? Like it's like, yeah. I'm just I just choose my moments, but any footage and stuff, I actually might look through my GoPro this weekend and see what's on there. Um, yeah, I don't know. The guy that we went, he, uh, the guy that we went with, the the Yang, Zach, he, he owns this place called Montana Wild or this thing. So he had a bit of a following. And um, I think he got in a bit of trouble for some illegal fishing or some bull trout or something. But like he filmed it, put it out and... He didn't know, and he got a lot of flack. So, like, the Yanks didn't um, forgive him for that. But uh, he does also this, like, hunting photography page where he teaches people how to take photography in the wilderness, which is epic. You should check it out. Yeah. Guys are uh, pretty incredible. So, yeah, no, unfortunately, no footage. Um, I know Ben's got some stuff of some bulls and stuff, but, yeah, we didn't manage to get that. So. Nice. Mate, well, we might park it there. What, what would you... Uh, leave people with um, from a media personality hunting enthusiast point of view <laughs> in terms of what what do you want me to say oh <laughs> pro- probably uh, I don't know something that's, that you think's doing you well at the moment yeah that you sort of, or maybe you're living your life by maybe <laughs> um, okay if if I just okay well I think I think people take life too seriously firstly yeah. so um, I think I think it's so important to do something that you're really passionate about. It sounds pretty cliche, but like something that I've always evolved like my whole life around is um, shake hands, put smiles on faces. Like I reckon your network is your net worth. Um, never say no, like never say no to something. Like if it's going to challenge you, um, always say yes because you don't know who you're going to meet. Um, there's so many awesome people in New Zealand. 
um, go to their party, go just for one beer, you know, because you never know who you're going to meet. You might meet your new hunting partner. Um, yeah, so shake hands, put smiles on faces. I guess, I guess that's the game this thing. And just, um, just, just be a bloody good bastard, you know? Be a good person. Absolutely. No, That's, yeah. we, um, we, we had that from an Aussie um, at the start of the week and we're, we're finishing off with the Kiwi up the guts version uh, at the end of the week. It's bloody good. Mate, I'm yeah. going to press stop there and I'll apologise to everybody for the... Nah, the thanks, so much for your, <laughs> thanks so much for your time, mate. You're an absolute legend. Appreciate it. Great way to finish. Don't take things too seriously. And we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. How good. It was a, a flurry of cliches. And I guess they're cliches because... Uh, it makes sense, don't they? It's a bit like some of the quotes that I try to dig up each day when I'm journaling. Um, all things that tend to make sense stand the test of time, and it's you know, it's good good stuff. Of course, I bring you the podcast. There goes my daughter again. <laughs> I bring you the podcast from Waikito. W a i k e t zero dot prove it now dot com. Now that's exogenous ketones. If you Kiwis out there, that website does not give you access to the ketones. You'll have to contact me at Stag at the Stag Raw or on the Waikito Facebook page, W-A-I-K-E-T-O. Exogenous ketones are a little sachet of ketone salts that you mix with water. It gets you into ketosis in under half an hour. There's also keto protein, keto broth, keto cream, keto tea for a nice, awesome, relaxing uh, sleep. And each month, there's the Keto Reboot, which is a 60-hour assisted fast using those products to help you through it. Um, great way to get the body recharged, reset, um, and if you're trying to trim up, maybe for playing some under-85s, doing a cheeky assisted fast could go a long way. Uh, ketones are great for protecting the brain. Again, if you're playing under-85s, playing a bit of rugby, it's how it broke my nose so badly. I was playing social rugby <laughs> and social water polo. Goodness me. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, obviously many times I've had a few head knocks and uh, that's why I quite like taking some ketones and, and getting a bit of fasting and autophagy and reprogramming and all those great things that ketosis offers. Yeah, so the website, waikete0.proveitnow.com. If you're in Australia, US, Canada, East Asia, you can access the ketones from there. Um, if you're a Kiwi or somewhere else that's not open, go to that website, check out what you want to order and contact me through the Stag Raw on Instagram or the Waikido Facebook page. And of course, on those two pages, you'll find all of the existing podcasts. And of course, if you're subscribed, you'll have access to all of them. If you've got five seconds left of the rating, it'd be much appreciated. Cheers. <laughs>